Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Great to see you guys here, and welcome everybody that's online this morning. Glad you're joining us as well. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I really would love to meet you, so make sure that you say hi afterwards, stick around. You don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but you don't have to leave right away. I mean, some of you are like, I don't know how long they got this building, but we just need to run. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You do not have to run out of here, just so you know. But this morning, a little bit of a surprise is we've got a guest that's going to be sharing with us this morning, and I've known this guy a little while. I've known him uh, pretty much his whole life. Um, His name is Daniel, and he's my brother. So, Daniel, would you come on up here, guys? Would you welcome him? Stand up with me. Give him a hand if you would. Thank you so much, and have some fun. Thank you, guys. Uh, So I am the younger brother, so it officially makes me the new and improved version. So (laughs) uh, even if I am a little shorter, but that's okay. So we're going to have fun today. Uh, Life is full of opinions. Life is full of adventures. And I have discovered that people can argue about anything. It doesn't matter if the subject is politics or weather. We can still fight about it. And I've realized that there is so much arguing and so many different opinions on every subject. But I found one that I think we all agree on. Sometimes life does not go the way that it should. Or the way that you wanted it to. And, And this often looks like hurts, pain, abuse, offense, and mistakes. And these things, sometimes we can end up chained or carrying around this pile of hurts and offense. I got to be careful not to break their stage. (laughs) Um, But when when I I looked, I realized that there are some people who go through these different hurts and hang-ups, and they seem to come out on the other side standing on top of them. And they come out, and you look at them, and you're like, dude, you've got this like super success story. And it's like, when you get to know them, you're like, wait, you started where? You went through what? And they're like way up here. There's this overcoming story. And then you talk to other people or maybe you look in the mirror and it's like, all right, do you know what happened to me? Because it's going with me. And I've got all of the pain, the hurt, the offense, the trauma, the things that I've been through. And they start hiking around, carrying it. And I looked and said, what's, what is the difference? How can somebody live free overcoming and somebody else is carrying around this backpack full of yesterday, full of hurts, pain, and problems that have occurred? And I begin to look and I go, I know that there's an answer. And when I, I begin to find the answer in the Word, I realize it's kind of offensive to some people. So brace yourself, just in case you're one of them. Uh And hear me out. The key to escaping your past and freeing your future is found in forgiveness. And as soon as I say that word, there are some of you who inside go, ugh, not another one of these. And you're like, yeah, that's great for some people, but you don't know my story. You don't know what happened to me. And as I begin to, to, to kind of ponder this and deal with people, and dealing with people who've been in the church for years, 
It astonishes me because forgiveness is at the core of Christianity. Yet we struggle with it. And like there's this like strange contradiction because if I look in my Bible, it's like I could go and spend the whole morning just reading verses on the subject of forgiveness. Going through, and Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is the essence of the gospel that Jesus came to pay the price so that we could be forgiven. Luke 24, 47 says that repentance, uh, it says, and then, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is like the core. So how is it that we struggle with it so much? And I, I have discovered some myths that, that are taught around forgiveness. And they're taught on TV. They're taught in schools. They're taught by culture. There's these myths about forgiveness. In fact, our culture would have you believe this. They say, we live in a self-centered, work-based society that believes that forgiveness is an insult to the injured. And that by, by your wound, you are entitled to the bragging rights as you hold on to and look for validation through your experience. And they're like, well, if you can put it out front, then people can understand that you're broken. And if you put it out front, then people will, will know and understand you. But then this becomes who they are. This becomes their definition. And as I begin to, to look, I go, well, here, here, here's a myth. Time heals all wounds. Anyone heard that before? If not, you didn't miss out. It's wrong. It's a lie. But, but here's this thing, is there's this idea that with time, everything just gets better and everything will heal. But that is stupid and it's a lie physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you, you can look and, and you get injured and, and it, it's hopefully going to get better. However, even physically, some wounds get infected. And when they do, little wounds become big deals. A few years ago, okay, a lot of years ago, they go fast. Uh, Sam, you, you guys' pastor, he's actually set up this trip with a bunch of students, junior high and high school students, and we would take them to Montana. And it was incredible, and we have a few survivors from that trip that are in here with us. Uh, but the, the trip was amazing, and we would do all sorts of stuff, and most of it was theoretically safe until you bring high schoolers. Um, <laughs> But you bring enough middle schoolers and high schoolers and even safe things become unsafe things. You're like, we're going to hike just up the mountain. That's, that's nice. That's safe. Until you get a bunch of high school boys that are like, hey, look, it's a rock. Do you know what gravity does to rocks? Makes them fall. Let's push them down the hill. It's a big hill. And you're like, there's other people. Really? <laughs> like, yes. Or they're like, it's a tree. It's dead. Yes? Think we can tip it over? What's on the other side? Oh. Like, so we, we had to, like, avoid falling rocks and trees and different things. And we climbed mountains and up, up cliffs. And we did some cool stuff. We did some a little bit dangerous stuff. But you know what our worst injury was? A blister on a pinky toe. And, and, and that seems 
ridiculous because we did crazy stuff. But one girl got a blister on her pinky toe that got infected. And after we got back from the trip, the infection had grown a little bit from just being like a little red spot on her toe to a staph infection that put her in the hospital for um, a few, somewhere between a few days and a week. She recovered. But it, it was this, this shocking thing going, but it's such a small wound. How could such a small wound be such a big deal? Because infection can destroy you, and infection can kill you no matter how big its entry point. See, sometimes we think it's only going to be a big deal if it came through a massive trauma. But an infection can come through a little blister or through a gaping wound. Unforgiveness isn't a right for the hurt. Unforgiveness is an infection that, kill, that tries to kill its host. And whether it comes in through a massive trauma or whether it comes in through an itsy-bitsy offense, unforgiveness is an infection that will try to kill you. It will try to rot and destroy your life because that's what it does. And, and I begin looking and, and going, but, but you don't understand. And... It doesn't look like anything's a big deal. But here, here's what the Bible says. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by, me, by it many become defiled. See, this unforgiveness may start small, but when it springs up, it defiles many. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be angry and do not sin, nor let the sun go down in your anger, and give no place to the devil. He goes, when we let in unforgiveness, when we carry this thing, it lets the enemy come in who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that doesn't work out well. But oftentimes we go, well, nobody, I, I look okay. Out here, I look fine. No one can see it. But that doesn't mean it's not eating you away on the inside. Just over five years ago, uh, Amanda and I, I'm married and I have four wonderful kids. My amazing wife is sitting on the front row. Um, love my wife. I'll brag on her any and every opportunity that I get. But five years ago, just over, we had our fourth child, our little girl. She's wonderful. And it was awesome. And labor went really well, which is amazing. And my wife was healing really fast. We were excited. Like, this is great. And then after three weeks, she, uh, the one evening all of a sudden was in pain. Like, well, that's not good. Like, let's just lay down and, and rest. Oh, I'm in a lot of pain. Let's, you know, rest. And it doesn't get better. She ends up calling in the morning. Like, hey, I need to go to the doctor. Uh, this, is, this is not okay. And we call, and they're like, all right, our first available appointment is like 1 o'clock this afternoon or 2 o'clock. I'm like, all right. And then she went from being in pain to passing out three times. And we said, forget your appointment. We're headed to the hospital. We go to the hospital, and they're all freaking out. You know, what's going on? And then they did not communicate very well what was happening. And then I'm frustrated because in amongst everything, when you're not well, sleep is one of those things that's required. And in the middle of the night, they like come and like grab her and shake her. And, what's, and you're like, what are you doing? That is horrible bedside manner. Until afterwards when our um, primary care physician goes over all the notes and goes, oh, they were actually coming to wake you up to make sure you didn't die because your heart rate had dropped so much. You had sepsis. And it was shutting down your organs. There had been an abscess of infection that had 
uh, a little pocket of it that was inside her that had burst. And when it burst is when the pain hit, and all of a sudden what didn't look like anything on the outside started killing her from the inside. There's a lot of people that are carrying that. And they're sitting here and they go, yeah, but I look fine to everybody. But on the inside, they're like, I'm so broken, so hurt. You don't understand what they did to me. And these things that they've been through have become their marker. And they, and they get this and they're like, well, maybe I can run from it. And they're like, you know what? Maybe I'll move town. In fact, I went to college on the other side of the world. It was 70% international students. And I swear half the students were there not to get there, but to get away from somewhere. But here's the problem. No matter where I run, there I am. And if I'm carrying unforgiveness, I just got it to go. And wherever I go, there it goes with me. And so often people are going, you know what? Hey, I'm going to run. I'm going to skip town. Hey, you know what? I'm going to get out of my parents' house and I'm going to get married. Or hey, I'm going to go get married to somebody else. And they go through and they think that by changing that which is around them, they're going to get rid of what they're carrying. But if you're carrying something, it doesn't matter how far you run, how long you go, or who you go with, it's still there with you. And this is this, this issue where they're, they're being destroyed by that which has been. And it, it creates collateral damage. But see, Jesus, he gave this for a solution. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, he says, Whenever you stand praying, forgive you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. He says, forgive them. And when, when I hear that, I know there's so many people who go, yeah, that's good advice for them. That's good advice for the people that I have offended. But you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand. It was intentional. When they lied, treat, mistreated me, cheated, when they betrayed me, they knew what they were doing. That was my father. They should have never. And there are so many things that you could list. But you have to understand that forgiveness doesn't make it okay Forgiveness doesn't make it go away, but it stops it from being your defining moment. And this is where so many people get hung up because they go, well, if I let this go, does that mean it's okay? No, it means you can move on. But there are so many people who are dragging it. In fact, you'll meet them, and it can be, hi, my name is Joe, and when I was 12, I was abused. And you're like, hello. Nice to meet you, abused Joe. Like, but this becomes their identity. This becomes who they are. See, when we, when, we, when we have unforgiveness, it leaves collateral damage. And we think, you know what? I can hold on to this unforgiveness towards this one person who hurt me. But that's not how unforgiveness works. My mom says it like this. She says, unforgiveness is like trying to fill your pockets with dog poop. It makes all of you stink, and it defiles all of you. 
And it's this, this, this spot where we don't realize that the thing that we're carrying is going to rot. The thing that we're carrying is stinks. The thing that we're carrying is destroying us. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 says, Don't be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the laps of fools. When we hold on to this, it begins to spill over everywhere. If I'm holding a bucket of toxin called unforgiveness, hoping to spill it on the person that I am angry at, you know what happens? Have you ever tried, anyone ever tried to fill a five-gallon bucket really full and then carry it somewhere? How many of you got wet? Yeah. When you fill a bucket full, it's really hard to carry it without spilling, but that's what people do with unforgiveness because they figure that once they reach the person that they don't like, they can splash this toxin on them. But if I'm carrying it, I keep splashing the toxin on me. You know who else I splash it on? Anyone I like enough to bring close to me. And the person that I don't like who hurt me is probably the person I keep the furthest away from me, so they are the person least affected by the toxin that I'm carrying. They're free to move on while I continue to be hurt. And it can leave you exploding at everybody. Again, uh, some years back, I was hanging out with Sam and Becca, and we went mountain biking. And we had a, a great time mountain biking, and we got done. And while we're packing up, somebody else arrived to go mountain biking. And they, this lady grabs her bike off the top of her car, unhooks it, sets it down, opens the back of her car, and realizes she forgot the front tire at home. And so she was really frustrated, and rightfully so. You can't really go biking without a front tire unless you're really, really good. Um, so she, she puts it back on the top of her car and, and storms off, and we finish getting our stuff put away, and we take off. Well, we get just a little ways down the road, and she's driving really slow, like 45 and a 55. So we just go around her. While we're going around her, she flicks us off and is cussing at us. And we just kind of laugh because she's really not mad at us. We're going 50, you know, we're passing like at the speed limit because you're going super slow. She's cussing at us because she forgot her tire. It really has nothing to do with us. And so many people are destroying relationships that have nothing to do with what's really hurting them. You've been to a checkout where you're like, hi, and they're like, Bruh. so glad to see you too. Like it's just, and, and, like it can be so disproportionate. Because they're carrying something. And so everything is sensitive. If you've ever had an injury, you discover that simple movements hurt. And you're like, this should never hurt. It's this little thing. I mean, even sunburn. I, I fried my shoulders yesterday. So I put the backpack on. I'm like, ooh, that, that kind of burns. Just, just like put my shoulders back. I'm like, ooh, that, that stings. Simple things can hurt when you're carrying an injury. When we choose to carry unforgiveness, we're carrying an injury and it can begin to destroy. And it destroys the relationships that matter the most to us first. Because they're the relationships that are the closest to us. We were doing a Q&A series a little while ago in Granville on Sunday nights. And somebody submitted a question that, that hurts. They were going through and they were talking about their marriage. And they said... That their spouse who'd been through trauma had turned on them and couldn't handle all this stuff. And they used a key phrase that I bring up with every couple that I'm going to marry. 
when we go through pre-marriage, I warn them. So I say, hey, if, if you get married carrying unforgiveness, and this is really common, that when they go to get married, he's got unforgiveness towards his folks. She's got unforgiveness towards her folks. But they think, you know what? If I just run fast enough into a new home, I'll be rid of this. And when they get married, let's just say she's mad at dad because dad was horrible. In and amongst dad's many offenses, he was never respectful to his wife. He would never communicate on when he was going to be home. He would often not show up, and it was often because he was with another woman. And so there's all of this reason that she's offended, but she's holding on to this, and she gets married to Prince Charming. And one day, Prince Charming, they've been married for a while, and, and he works late, and he forgets to call today to say, hey, I'm working late. I'm going to be home late. And she's at home, and when she's home, she's, she's got something ready. She, she fixed dinner, and he's late. And by the time he comes home, she looks and she goes, I can't believe you. You are so inconsiderate. I can't believe And she's, she's assuming all, the, all this different stuff because here's what she did. His offense lined up with one of dad's offenses. One spot. This was the least of dad's offenses. But in one spot, there was overlap. He didn't call and he was late for work which was one of the things that dad did that signaled a lot of the other things that dad was doing. And so as soon as he walks through the door, she goes, you! And she throws this at him. And in one missed phone call, he just became guilty of 25 years of offenses from her dad. And she uses this phrase, you're just like my dad. The one who asks the question here goes, you're just like my abuser. And it can be a key word, a key phrase. It can be one of so many different things. But if we're holding this, then when there's any overlap, we throw this whole bag at the person where there's overlap, even though they don't deserve it. Because when anger's resting there, it spills over, it explodes, it quickly becomes our identity. But with this, so often, we don't realize that we put up these walls to try to protect us from the pain and to separate us from it, not realizing that the walls that we built are the cage that we're stuck living in. And that forgiveness isn't an opportunity for the abuser to go free. It's an opportunity for us to live in freedom. But we often look and go, but you don't understand. They don't deserve it. You're right. Forgiveness can't be earned. The very fact that they need forgiveness proves that, that they didn't earn it. When someone bakes you cookies, you don't go, ooh, I forgive you. The response is, ooh, thank you. But when somebody steps on your foot. They go, oh, sorry. Oh, no worries. I forgive you. You go. You're acknowledging that they shouldn't have stepped on your foot, but you're not going to hold it against them. By definition, you recognize that it can't be earned. But so often, that's what we're looking for. Jesus forgave us when we didn't deserve it. 
God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. In Romans eleven six, 6, it says that grace, that we're forgiven by grace, and grace is not by works. It said if it's by grace, then it's no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no, is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. New King James is kind of a little bit confusing on that one, but here's the point. If grace is unearned, an unearned gift, you can't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't earn an undo. I can't be nice enough to undrunk drive. I can't be good enough to unsay what I just said. I can't go back in time, and no matter how good I am today, I can't undo what I did yesterday. And a lot of times, there's so many people that are waiting for someone to go back and undo what they did in order to forgive them, but we can't. And as long as we're waiting for them, we remain trapped. Unable to go free because of the things that we're holding on to. And then when we associate, here's, here's, here's a big myth, is that forgiveness and trust are synonyms. They're not. For forgiveness and trust to be synonyms, then forgiveness has to hinge on you earning it. But if, if I'm to forgive you like Christ forgave me, if I'm to forgive you even if you're not now perfect, then forgiveness and trust are two separate things. And I, I think the easiest way to see this clearly is with a bank. If a bank, let's just say someone, or let's just say you owe the bank some money. You owe the bank a bunch of money. And somebody somehow at the bank, you owe them more than you could ever pay. And they decide, you know what? There is no way on God's green earth that you're ever going to pay this back. You are heading into bankruptcy. This is just ridiculous. We are going to forgive your debt. Think that'd be good? I think that'd be great. That means you don't have to pay that debt because that debt has been forgiven. But does that mean they're going to turn around and write you another loan? No. But the fact that they won't turn around and write you another loan, does it mean they didn't forgive you? And that's where people often struggle. They go, but I don't know if I can trust them. You might not be able to. They might not have changed, but your freedom doesn't hinge on them changing. It hinges on you forgiving. And when you stop demanding the payment from them, then you can walk in freedom regardless of what their status is. Because they may have changed and they may not, but you get to choose whether you're going to walk in freedom or whether you're going to carry what they did for the rest of your life. Because there's not an amount of time that transpires that all of a sudden goes, okay, you're done, you're free. If I choose to drag it, I choose to hold it, it can continue to destroy me. See, forgiveness is a decision and forgiveness is a journey. See, a lot of times I've had people and they're like, yeah, but, but I tried to forgive them. I said I forgive them once. And uh, Jesus said this with his, in this conversation with his disciples. He's talking to Peter. And Peter's like, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he says, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus responds, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times at seven. 
And I was talking to a friend, Ted, and he goes, sometimes that's repeated offenses. Sometimes that's repeated forgiveness for the same offense. Because sometimes we have to continue to choose to forgive. And as I was looking at all of this, I recognized that there, there are people who've been through way more than me. One of those people is my wife. And I had a conversation with my wife because my wife grew up in not perfect conditions. Uh, and in amongst those, there was a lot of things that should never have happened. And there was abuse and there was a lot of opportunities for hurt and offense. And I asked her, I'm like, how did you forgive? How did you, like, where was the shift? How did you find freedom having gone through stuff that destroys so many other people? And we have an incredible marriage that's not built out of the brokenness and the bags that so many people are carrying. So what happened? She said this to me. She says, um, not letting what has been rob what will be. If I park there, it allows yesterday to rob tomorrow. She said, I wasn't going to. And then she said, and I realized that if that man dies and goes to hell, Satan wins. She, so she said, I begin to pray for that man, not that a rock would fall on his head or that his brakes would go out, but I begin to pray that God would get a hold of his heart and that that man would repent and that that man would change and that God would use the man who hurt me to save other people, that God would turn it around and smack the devil in the face with it. And she began to pray for this, this guy on a regular basis. And a few years later, she saw him in the mall. And she said she didn't go up and start a conversation, but the, the emotions, the feelings, and the panic that, her heart, that was expected wasn't there. Because there had been such healing when she forgave and when she gave it to God and she gave them over to God, not for the, their death and destruction, but going, God, I pray that you save them and that the devil loses. God, I pray that they repent, that they see that they were wrong, that they change. And God, that you use them. And it changed things. And we, we go through this. As we talk about forgiveness, there's something that we have to recognize. There's a forgiveness that is often overlooked. When we begin to talk about this, we look and we, we often look at the guys and go, okay, this is the person who hurt me and offended me and betrayed me and lied about me and cheated and, and here's all these different things that happened to me. But sometimes the hardest person to forgive is the person who stares back at you in the mirror. And we can look and we go, you know what? Yeah, I need to forgive them, but, but you don't understand what I did. You don't understand the people that I hurt, how messed up. There are people in this room who are so weighed down with guilt and shame because you have not received the forgiveness towards yourself 
or from God toward things that you've done. You look back and you still are hiding behind the lens in this wall because you're going, if anyone knew what I'd done, they wouldn't love me. And they're dragging this weight through life, wishing that they could run, wishing that they could move freely, but they're weighed down by guilt, shame, and unforgiveness. Paul says this. He says in Philippians 3.13, I do not consider myself to have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. See, Satan wants to take you and go like this. This is who you are. It's what you were. It's what you are. And it's what you always be. God could never use you because you lied, cheat, stolen, aborted. You And he just lists this whole list off and goes, this is, you're an addict, you're a porn addict, you're an adulterer, you're a, and he just begins to throw out these different things and go, this is all you were, this is all you'll be. God could never use someone like you. And he tries to use your past to rob your future. But see, there's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I have a lot of those. But one of my favorite passages is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 9 through 11. He goes through and says, um, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Ne neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He goes, what you were doesn't matter because what you were is not what you are because Jesus paid the price to wash you, sanctify you, and make you right with Him. That doesn't mean it need to be your definition anymore. You get to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. There is forgiveness that's been poured out for us, but we have to receive it. And if we refuse to forgive ourselves, we'll refuse to receive the forgiveness that's been offered to us. We can sit here and people can go, I forgive you. And you can go, yeah, but I don't deserve it. It's just my cross to bear. Somehow feeling like the weight and the guilt and the shame are supposed to somehow, somehow take away what we did rather than letting what Jesus did take away the pain, the shame, the guilt of what we did so that we can live in freedom. And it's, it's a key to living free from our past. And as, as, I, as I go through this, I have a, a long-time habit of going through some confessions and when we confess some things, it is so powerful. So I want to actually lead you guys in some confessions this morning as we get ready to close. So go ahead and repeat these with me. Say, God is faithful to forgive me. He removes my sins. As far as the east is from the west. He wants to forgive all my sins. I am called to forgive others. As Christ forgave me. I leave no foothold for the devil. I am quick to forgive. Whenever I pray. 
I forgive anyone who has done anything against me. I am an ambassador for Christ. He's making his appeal through me. God's power is at work in me. God's grace empowers me to do what I could never do on my own. I'm commissioned with the power of God to show his love to the world around me. I will bring the kingdom of God and the gates of hell cannot stop me. As we talk about this forgiveness, I realize that there are people here who need to receive God's forgiveness today. There are people who go, you know what? You may know, may, maybe new to, to, uh, to church, or you may have been here your, or in church your whole life, but you know what? You go, I'm not, I'm not in the right relationship with God. Maybe it's because you just refused to receive his forgiveness. Maybe you didn't know he wanted to forgive you. Maybe you've just been holding on to it. But if today you say, you know what? I want to be right with God. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to be in a right relationship with him. I want to live free because he paid the price for my freedom. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Can everyone bow their heads and close your eyes? If you're here, you say, today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Today, I want to receive that forgiveness. Then when I say three, I want you to raise that hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and say, that's me. Awesome. I see your hand and your hand. Who else is that's me? Awesome. If you're, you're online, you can raise it there. You can type it in the chat. Say, that's me. But we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer. So whether you've raised your hand or say, hey, I've done that before, but then confess with us as we declare God to be our Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe it's your blood paid the price for me. I believe that you died and rose again. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.